Hey, what's going on, Houdad Nation? It is your truly TJ Jones. And yes, I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. On this edition, we're going to be talking about uh, defensive end Cam Jordan. And uh, he, along with Dennis Allen and the Saints organization, getting fined uh, for allegedly faking an injury on Monday night. Um, last Monday, we know the Saints played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in uh, week 13. Um, they lost in heartbreaking fashion, but, you know, the NFL uh, fined the New Orleans Saints. Now, if, if you didn't know, uh, the New Orleans Saints organization was fined $300,000. Dennis Allen, the head coach of the Saints, was fined $100,000. And you also have Ryan Nielsen and Cam Jordan both being fined fifty thousand dollars for allegedly faking an injury late in the game now cam jordan was very frustrated by this and uh he he went to twitter and he said this he said agent told me about it and initially i laughed and i was like that's ridiculous clearly <laughs> aggravated uh something then told then he told me how much the fine was and i've been irked since so as much money as, as Cam Jordan makes, he's definitely upset about losing $50,000. Can you imagine that? I mean, some of us, you know, make don't make $50,000 in a year. I'm not trying to down anybody, but I'm just being real. Like, some people don't even make that. Okay, this man is being fined that. And he also says, most expensive fine to date from the NFL came in yesterday at its stressor for absolutely no reason. So, we've no... This has been a topic of conversation for years uh, about the New Orleans Saints and the, the league front office. It just seems like to Saints fans, all of us, it seems like the NFL just has like this, this personal vendetta against the Saints. They, they, they don't look the other way when it comes to this team. We know about them finding the Saints. You know, when Alvin Kamara um, came to the facility, somebody leaked the tape. I don't know how that happened. You know, about all this old bounty stuff that's dating back since 2012. It just seems like the NFL always seems to have it out for the New Orleans Saints. And they always hit them with some of the most harshest and the most disrespectful fines that you're going to find out there. So for anybody to believe that there isn't some type of personal vendetta against this Saints organization, uh, I just think you're sadly mistaken. And I think a lot of us probably thought that. Well, maybe we can breathe a, a breath of fresh air because Sean Payton is no longer with the team, and it seems like the league front office has more issues with Sean Payton than they do with, you know, the team as a whole. But as we can see, it doesn't stop at Sean Payton. These these guys want to make sure that they uh, <laughs> they can just stick the knife into the back of the New Orleans Saints as much as they possibly can in the heart of the fan base. Me personally, I, I just look at this um, New Orleans Saints team and, um, you know, this is just add on to stuff that already didn't happen and, you know, just made things, you know, even worse. You know I mean? It's been it's been this this season has been bombarded with nothing but bad news for the most part. So anytime you hear any good news, it's few and far in between. So it, it's like, well, come on, bring it, you know, any bad news you can you can find. Come on, bring it. You know, <laughs> so look, do I feel like they they fake the injury? No, I, I don't think they fake the injury. I mean, I, I don't want to believe that the Saints are that moronic. I don't want to think that they are that crazy. Why? 
you know, I, I mentioned this on social media. I said, if this allegation is true, then the New Orleans Saints have to be some of the dumbest individuals I've ever seen. Because why in the world would you ask the most durable player in the National Football League? I want people to understand this. Cam Jordan has been in the league for 12 years. He only missed one game in his entire 12-year career that that was because of an injury, and that was this year with the eye injury. That COVID situation, I mean, I mean, he, it wasn't anything, you know what I'm saying, that was hurtful to his extremities that would have caused him, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, any type of hardship or he wouldn't have been effective in the game. So you're asking the most durable guy in, in the NFL, the NFL Ironman, to take a knee and fake an injury, like, I don't believe that. I think that something honestly happened and maybe I don't know who was at the tent. I don't know what they heard. I don't know what they seen, but I, I guess like him running out of the tent or something. I, I mean, were you in there? Like who, who was in there with him for them to even believe that that happened? I, I just don't know. I don't believe Cam Jordan would do something like that. Do have too much pride, too much of a warrior, been too much of a warrior for him to be sitting around here faking fines for 50, 50 G's. I, I just don't I just don't believe that. Um once again I just think that this is the NFL trying to get uh they're trying to get at the New Orleans Saints, to be quite honest with you. I just that's that's just what I I, I wholeheartedly believe. But I mean I'd love to hear from you. What do you all think about this? Um feel free to put your comments down below. We got 90 people watching this right now. Ask that you hit the like button if you enjoy the State of the Saints podcast and all the content. Uh, we're also going to be talking about a little bit about the game that's coming up. We know that the New Orleans Saints uh, will be taking on uh, the Atlanta Falcons this weekend. Um, you know, a lot of us feel like the Saints at this particular point are playing for pride, but it's always good to beat your rivals. I mean, we know that the Saints and the, the Falcons, they this is a rich hatred towards one another. You know, I was fortunate enough to go to the first game week one uh, when the Saints pulled off that late uh, fourth quarter heroic uh, comeback, you know, the ebbs and flows of that game, it was probably one of the most exciting games I, I ever been to. Uh, but, you know, the New Orleans Saints, uh, they they have a tall task. You know, they, they have opportunity to sweep uh, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Atlanta Falcons have opportunity to see what the future looks like because Desmond Ritter, the quarterback out of Cincinnati, will get his first start over Marcus Mariota. So the Saints have to look at and try to see how they can neutralize them. And, of course, I'm pretty sure the Atlanta Falcons are going to be glued to the television, uh, their fans, because they want to see what Desmond Ritter can do. So, you know, at this particular point, you just go out there and you just continue to play and hopefully you stack up some wins and let the rest take care of itself. Like, I don't think that the Saints are going to make the playoffs. I'm pretty, I feel, I feel pretty strongly about that. But at least you can make this thing interesting and fun and make this season, you know, not look or feel as, as terrible as it's been. You know, uh, at this particular point, I think that we can kind of shift our minds away from the whole playoff talk. If you want to keep that mathematical equation in your head all season long, then fine. I'd rather spend my time trying to focus on guys that I want to see develop, guys that we feel like we can build on and guys that, you know, ain't, ain't about it and we can just allow them to go on to greener pastures or wherever pastures they want uh, to go to. That, that's that's just the way I feel about it. But, of course, we all want the Saints to beat the Falcons. You know, we know that the, the New Orleans Saints and the Falcons, 
these games it's like a super bowl to a lot of these these fan bases you know a lot of you know i think that some people would feel much better if the new orleans saints was to sweep the falcons it probably would save the season or make you feel a little bit better since you know that all you got at this particular time are moral victories but let me go ahead and read some of your comments uh let's see let's face it who that nation we all seen this movie before uh, this reminds me of when they suspected Sean Payton, uh, suspended Sean Payton for a year, uh, all because he wouldn't uh, snitch on his players. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I think it was much more to that. You know, I, I think that this was Roger Goodell uh, coming in. This was like kind of early in his commissioner career. And you had Paul Tagliabue, who was a well-respected commissioner, uh, I mean, he was a guy that a lot of people looked up to. They idolized and respected. And he was supposed to be Mr. Law and Order. And that's when he came up here finding everybody and, and, and suspending everybody and stuff like that. And he was rubbing these players as well as the ownership the wrong way. And, you know, this whole bounty scandal, I think that this was supposed to be his calling card you, to make him the king of law and order and putting the NFL where it needs to be at this, that, and the third. And it kind of backfired on. And I just think that because the New Orleans Saints kind of bucked the system, you know, much more to his liking uh, than he wanted. I just think that he always has like a level of resentment towards this team because early in his commissioner, uh, you know, career, the whole situation just made him look bad. And like I mentioned on the last episode, it made Paul Tagliabue come back because it it made it seem like, oh, Roger Goodell, like, he can't fix his own messes. So you have to bring in Paul Tagliabue, a well-respected guy, in order for you to fix the situation. So I just think there's a level of resentment that dates back because of that whole bounty scandal, and it continues to rear his ugly head anytime, no matter how uh, you know how light the situation is, it, the NFL will make it look bigger than what it actually is. They will turn their heads when the other teams do it, and they will definitely try to make sure that they – do whatever they have to do in order to make the Saints' life a living hell. And I just think it dates back to that bounty scandal. Like I said, the Saints are famous for getting ambushed by the NFL. Yeah, I mean, rather it's the fines or the referees. You know, I think that is a combination of both. You know, some people say, you know, the referees don't dictate the game. I beg to differ. Uh, they, they They can dictate the game by throwing too many flags or they can dictate the game by slowing down the momentum of a team. Like, for example, if a team is uh, doing a no huddle, right, and they just ping, 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 you know what I'm saying, hitting them down the field, then all of a sudden here comes a flag to slow it down, you know what I'm saying, for something that could have been, you know, not even called. But they do it to kind of slow it down. You can slow down that team's momentum, you know, that gives that other team a few more minutes or a few more seconds in order to get a play in to be able to neutralize, and you probably had a – had a drive going that probably would have ended in a, in a touchdown, but because they stopped the game and stopped the momentum, it might end in a field goal, or you might not even get any points at all. So anybody that feels like the referees can't dictate the game, I think you're sad and mistaken. And it just seems like to me when it's the most crucial times of the game, that's when they start to really start throwing flags on the New Orleans Saints or, you know, t- going, you know, against them, you know, trying to slow it down their, their momentum. We've seen this in some of the biggest and, the the brightest moments when it comes to the New Orleans Saints. There's rather they don't get a flag when it should have been there, or you know it can be something that just so you know disrespectfully bad that they don't even care. They're just gonna throw it. 
right and they're gonna they're gonna try to sort it out later you know because at the end of the day like when you having these monday morning quarterback talks oh there wasn't a flag like does it matter now does it matter you know like the game is over so that, that's how i feel uh i'm at the press conference but i turned my volume down and y'all know why well look i i don't i don't have any look I, at this particular point i don't have anything to, to hear or, or care to hear about when it comes to dennis allen you know there's nothing really you can honestly say except the same old mumbo jumbo that you've been preaching since week one we gonna play tough we gonna compete this that and the third like you've been competing all year you've been fighting all year you've been trying at least but it just uh to no avail uh to no avail let's see utterly ridiculous tj they won't let up uh against us no and they, they they probably won't they probably won't uh tj did you happen to catch any of the detroit game the lions coach had a uh had that courage yesterday yeah you know i watched the game you know i was um i was actually painting yesterday man i was uh you know doing a little bit of touch-up painting and i was actually checking out the the games on nfl red zone you know and i was uh you know watching a little bit of the detroit lions game you know dan campbell um i, I tell you what um last year it was a little bit touchy you know when it came to dan campbell uh but this year you know you can really tell like this team is competing and they, they're playing for him and uh i think that dan campbell is everything that dennis allen wants to be that he thought he would be you know like but at the same time it is it's kind of like the, the flipping of the script because last year dan campbell and the detroit lions were almost in every game that they played right they just always seen to lose in the most heartbreaking fashion right it, it always came down to like the last possession like you you had uh justin tucker kicking a, a nfl record field goal uh you know, like a, a team getting the ball in the last possession and ending in a touchdown. But this year, they, it's coming down to the last possession and they're becoming the recipients on the winning side. So I guess when you, when you talk about the NFL, it, it sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And the Detroit Lions, it seems like the luck is starting to kind of swing their way. But, but offensively, they are a really talented team. Defensively, they look trash, okay? they They look, to me, to me, they look like if I can if I can really just date back, they look like the 2014, 2015 New Orleans Saints kind of. You know, like you know that Drew Brees gonna go up there, light it up with 350, almost 400 yards and three full touchdowns, but the defense ain't gonna stop nobody. That's kind of like what this team actually looks like right now. So I'm 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 excited for them. You know, it's always good to see teams that, you know, that struggle to find success, finding success. And, um, you know, it, it's easy to root for a team like that. It's easy to root for a team like that. But I tell you what, uh, whoever they have to play against in the postseason, they're going to have a fight on their hands if, if if Detroit make the playoffs. And it looks like more, they look like they might end up making it. Feel better about the game that Ritter is starting if, they had, if it was Marcus Mariota. Yeah, honestly, I feel like if they had Marcus Mariota, they probably would have won. You know, probably had a better chance of winning. Um, we all know that the Saints kind of struggle with guys with that skill set. And, you know, even in the first game, I mean, the Saints had no business winning that game. The Saints had absolutely no business winning that football game. So it, it just kind of happened that way. 
New Orleans Pelicans is the ibuprofen to my Saints pain this year. Yeah, I mean, look, the Pelicans are playing really good. They're in first place right now. I mean, Zion is finally living up to that potential. I mean, he's averaged, uh, you know, well, he's had 35 points in consecutive games uh, against the Suns. And, uh, you know, the thing about it is because I don't want – well, yeah, I will say this. Because the Saints are so terrible, you have people that probably don't have that much interest in basketball finding their way towards basketball because, you know, you, you, you can have a team that you can actually – you know, be happy for and root for. You know, the the Pelicans are a team that last year a lot of people, well, I would say a lot of people, but Kendrick Perkins really criticized the city and and basically said like, oh, man, New Orleans is a football town. They don't care about the Pelicans. And that kind of was a rallying cry. And anybody from New Orleans or, you know, know how New Orleans roll, like we have a us against the world type mentality. And if you tell us what we're not, we're going to go through great lengths to prove to you that you're lying or, you know, saying that ain't true. And when things start to really go the way, trust and believe like we can be petty with the best of them. So by this team being so successful, it's just showing you how much this this team, the fight that they have. And you combine that with the the pulse of the city because we roll with them. You know, I'm saying we like. Chris Paul comes to town and he wants to get into the face after Zion do the the, the windmill dunk and you know what the fans gonna do man nah that's our guy right there you know had a chant of you know f Chris Paul you know like we rally around guys that are our own when you show love to New Orleans we'll show it back and I don't care what it is like you ain't like the thing about New Orleans is you don't even have to be a star like you don't like. You can just be known for something, right? You can be the the tough guy, the the guy that's scrappy. You know, like we gonna celebrate you. We'll we'll put monuments up in your name. Like if you do something and show lo- loyalty and love to the city, we gonna show it right back. And if you show and you say to us that we're not loyal, and if you say to us that we're not devoted, we're going to make sure that we we throw it in your face. And right now, the Pelicans are throwing it in their face because they're not only just representing the Western Conference right now with great basketball, but they're representing a city that believes in them and they know they believe in them every time they go out there. So it's good to see. It's definitely good to see. There's a breath of fresh air, especially since the Saints have been having such a a terrible season. So it's good to see uh, something that's promising like the Pelican season going down. Uh, We got 116 people here right now. I ask that you hit the like button. Uh, feel better about the game. I think I already read that one. Let me stroll down a little bit. Says, uh, I'm thinking of a newer playoff system. Two teams uh, on a first round bye, and you still have uh, your wild card and divisional rounds, a 16 team playoff. Uh, so you're talking about eight, you're talking about eight teams going to the playoffs each year. Um, I think in a couple of years, you might end up seeing that happen. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, they just they just introduced this whole seven this seventeen system. You know, they they already just introduced that. So, you know, I think they're probably gonna play around with that for a while, and then they probably do something a little bit different. I mean, we know that the college football playoff with the uh, with you know college teams, I think it's about to go to what twelve, if I ain't mistaken. So, I mean, it, it's always subject to change. Uh, I think Sam Donald could get us to the playoff, but we must snatch him up immediately. 
Um, look, man, Sam Donald won yesterday as a starting quarterback with the Carolina Panthers, and Carolina has been playing really good. I think they've been playing the best football in the division, if you ask me. That's not saying much, but, I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due. Look, I'm not a real big Sam Donald fan. Look, I, I'm like, Josh, to be quite honest with you, man, I'm just over the mediocrity at the quarterback position at this point. Um, I'm not trying to put a square peg into a round hole anymore. I'm willing to sacrifice a year, a couple years of development if that means that we're going to end up getting a guy that leads this team and uh, to the promised land in the future. I just think that you know what we've been seeing from you know from the Trevor Simeons, uh, the Andy Daltons, uh, the Jameis Winston's, you know, like all these different guys who we have to force ourselves to like. We have to force ourselves to hope man, that that this guy can make a play. You know, no disrespect to any one of those guys. I'm just keeping it 100. None of those guys do we have our utmost faith and confidence in that they can w- make the play to win the game consistently. I got to put the word consistently on there because some of these guys can make a play to win the game. But I'm talking about consistently. I'm talking about if you give this dude a minute, OK, you know, for a fact that two things are going to happen. He's going to score a touchdown or he's going to put the team in field goal range. Case in point, 2018, week one versus the Houston Texans. The Saints needed 25 yards, and you know Breeze had the ball last, so guess what? They got them 25 yards, 58-yard field goal by Will Lutz. The Saints win in week one in 2018. There wasn't a Saints fan out there that didn't believe that when number nine had the ball last, that the Saints weren't going to win a football game. That is the type of belief that I want to have in a quarterback, not somebody that I'm hoping and I'm wishing and I'm looking in their eyes like, you know what I'm saying, like I can actually beat out there on the field and the, the camera guy is not just giving me certain angles to look at. I want a guy that that, that instills confidence in, in the Huda Nation because right now the morale is extremely low in the Huda Nation. It's low. And no matter if you're on the side of Andy Dalton or you're on the side of Jameis Winston, you have to you have to concede that you don't have the confidence in these guys like you would have in a guy like if Josh Allen was your quarterback or Patrick Mahomes was your quarterback or heck even Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady was your quarterback. That's just the way it is. I'm I'm tired of these experiments. I'm tired of these guys that I gotta hope one week. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know what I'm gonna get. It's gonna be a mixed bag. I would rather sacrifice. I'm serious. I would rather sacrifice, you know, a couple of years where the guy's developing, but you're starting to see promise around week, I mean, year three or, you know what I'm saying, probably late in year two, you're starting to see that development happen. Then a guy that I'm just wasting around that's been a journeyman around the league and the league has given up on. And more, more than likely, if it doesn't pan out in New Orleans, then he's not going to get another starting job for the rest of his career. I, that, that's, just what, that's just where I'm at. That's just where I'm at, man. I, I, I look that that Sam Donald and you know Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston, all these different guys out here, man. To me, they just placeholders. Nobody is seriously considering these guys to be franchise quarterbacks anymore. I don't care how much you like Jameis, the Saints are not considering him being a franchise quarterback because if they did, then he would be playing right now. Period. Like they would, they would allow him to play. They would allow him to go out there on the field. They would. They would not have him dressed up on the sidelines and not playing. So that tells you everything you need to know without telling you anything at all, right? The semiotics just tells you that he's not the guy, and they don't believe that. Um, Let's see. 
Let's see. Do you think the Saints are a dumpster fire right now? Um, I don't think that the. I guess you're talking to Jerry, but I don't think they're a dumpster fire. I just think that they're not well coached. You know, I think that uh, a guy with average coaching skills, a little bit above average coaching skills, to have this uh, Saints team first in the division. Hey, TJ, what do you think about Jeff Duncan article about Sean Payton? Yeah, we talked about it on the last episode, T. I kind of went into a uh, great length about that. Um, you know, if Sean Payton was to come back to the Saints, I don't think any Saints fans would have any objections to that. You know, it's pre- probably just the ones that don't have anything to actually compare him to. You know, you got a lot of Saints fans that were too young, and the only thing they know is Sean Payton. They don't remember Jim Haslett. They don't remember uh, Mike Dickens. They don't remember uh, Jared DiNardo. They don't remember, uh, you know, all these other coaches that they they had in the past. They, they don't remember those guys. The only thing that, you know, Rick Ventura, they don't they don't remember these guys. The only thing they remember is Sean Payton, all right? And, you know, at this particular point, there's this left – like, younger Saints fans, no disrespect to y'all, but y'all a little bit arrogant. Y'all arrogant because you don't know. Like, you, you, you didn't experience it. Like, it, it's one thing. Like, it, it's kind of like this, right? It's like when your, your your parents, you know, tell you about things that happened in the past, right? You have an appreciation for a level of history, but you don't have an acknowledgement or a recollection or, you know, the way that they have it. You know, like you, you basically are learning that through them. So you know about it, but it's a difference between actually experiencing it. And I think that you have a lot of young Saints fans out here that's in their 20s that all they know is Sean Payton and maybe – you know, Sean Payton, towards the latter years of his career, they're like, man, he wasn't doing it for me. And they probably feel like the Saints need to go in a different direction. But I can tell you right now, based on, you know, my age and and seeing them come and go throughout my lifetime, it don't get no better than that And when it comes to coaching. And coaching is not just about, you know, offensive play calling and defensive play calling. As you can see, if that's the case, then Dennis Allen would have the Saints going somewhere it's about understanding situational football it's about the little things the things that that get you prepared for the game throughout the week getting your team prepared for that um having them in the right mental space being able to come up with different uh plans you know workout regimens all these different things in order to help your team be successful and sean payton checks all those boxes so if he was to come back as, as a Saint fan, you know, of course, I, w- I would like for him to come back. I don't like the way that he left because it just seems like to me like he was rete- uh, p- trying to protect his reputation more so than just trying to help this team uh, get over uh, this hump post Drew Brees. But a lot of us, we like, oh, man, we don't need him this, that, and the third because we ain't got really much to compare him to. Like when people start talking about Jim Haslett, well, Jim Haslett was coaching the Saints in the 2000s. I mean – how old were you in 2000? You know, six, five, you know, like you were still running around on your grandma, or your mama flow around that time. You didn't know anything. So I just think that a lot of the rhetoric and thoughts and views are kind of screwed because, you know, you you don't know what you don't know. And right now, I guess, you know, you, you look at this team and all you know is prosperity. And it's like, OK, man, I want some of this. I want a McVeigh type guy, you know. OK, but like I say, Watching in the watching this New Orleans Saints team is like almost like a traumatic experience, like a real true traumatic experience to a lot of 
Saint fans out there because they never experienced a season like this. So, but I don't blame you because, like I said, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, the Saints gonna be uh, dead for some years. Mark my words. Well, let's hope that that's not the case. But if they continue to try to double down on nonsense, like trying to keep uh, Dennis Allen around or, or trying to um, make Andy Dalton work, you know, and not trying to go out here and try to get yourself a franchise quarterback or trying to find a way to become more offensively innovative, then, yeah, you're probably going to find yourself in a bag because I, I said this last episode as well. You look at the Carolina Panthers, you look at – uh, the Atlanta Falcons, whether you like those teams or not, I feel like they are more on the uptick than the Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are because the Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for like two to three years was trying to go for broke every single year. And they kind of, you know, jeopardized their future in the process. So in all the while, you have got, uh, teams like the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons who are trying to build their team through the draft. All they are is about a quarterback away from actually being a legit contender. And if Desmond Ritter end up panning out for the Atlanta Falcons, well, guess what? I mean, this guy's a rookie, so you have to deal with this dude for years to come. And when it comes to the Carolina Panthers, they got a young defense, and they got some really talented offensive players. If they get a, themselves a quarterback that can they can win with, then guess what? The Saints are going to be you know, on the outside looking in. And them being in a basement is just going to be a formality for years to come. But they have to find ways to get themselves out of this hole. You know, you you cannot be so arrogant to a point where you don't realize that there's a problem and and don't fix it. Rather ignore it and, and hope that the problem goes away on its own. But as we all know, in life as well as in football, it doesn't happen that way. Uh, TJ, uh, does Tulane defense have enough to stop uh, the Heisman Trophy winner? Um, I don't think so. You know, I, honestly, I don't think so. I think that. Kayla Williams is a talented guy. Um, I still need to see a little bit more. Um, I've seen some some games where, you know, he he had to overcome some level of adversity. But that Utah game kind of left a bad taste in my mouth because people were talking about, oh, he was injured. But to me, I, I didn't see warrior spirit. Uh, i seen a guy, like, really putting emphasis on that limp so everybody can make feel sorry for him and feel bad. Like, oh, man, he really would be balling right now if he wasn't hurt. Like, to me, between, you know, the F Utah on the fingernails and and that type of body language and the loss, I, I'm, I'm not really sold on the dude. Like, seriously, I, I, I get why people are going crazy about him. You know, Sean Payton come on TV talking about how great he is, everybody trying to prop him up, but I'm not impressed, man. Like uh, it is to me as a, as a quarterback it is much more than being able to make all the throws. Like you can make all the throws, you can have all the talent in the world, but at the end of the day, you know, how are you in adverse situations? How are you able to overcome that? Like when your team is not winning or, you know, like they, they need you to put them on the back, you know, like, uh, like do your teammates believe in you? Do the coaches believe in you? You know, that that type of stuff means a lot and it speaks volumes. You know, I, I can tell you a story about a quarterback. Uh, his name was Jeff George. Jeff George was about as as talented as any quarterback that you ever seen. Man can thread the needle. Man had a rocking arm, throw the ball down the field, had all the talent in the world. But, you know, he was a bad teammate. He didn't really get along with a lot of people. He was a loner. 
You know, he didn't try to have the established relationships with the coaching staff nor his teammates. And he ended up, you know, flaking out. So at the end of the day, you can have all the talent you want to, but you got to be able to, you got to be able to be relatable. And like I said, I, I just look at situations like that. And they're just kind of, I'm not really sold on a dude like that. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not really sold. Like, I'm pretty sure he, you know, he, he going to be talented. I'm pretty sure he probably make all the throws and all that kind of stuff there. But I, I see people talking about, we need to tank for the dude, bring Dennis Allen back. Like, man, look, if, if they were to bring Dennis Allen back and the saints get the first pick in the draft, I'm not happy about that. I ain't trying to see, I'm not starting to see the Saints tank for no for no draft picks and no draft capital. I'm just not. Because how many times have we seen teams do that kind of stuff and it just don't pan out? So if if it just so happened you playing and he, you know, he end up fall falling to you, then fine. But I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm not really sold on that dude like that. Like I'm just I'm just being honest. I mean, I I I I mm-hmm. I got to see more out of him. Maybe, you know, he has one more year. I mean, he's a sophomore, so I'm not going to knock him. He's, what, 19, 20? You know, I can imagine, you know, when I was 19, 20, and, you know, how life was. I'm in college. I'm going to school in L.A. I'm the toast of the town because now I'm the Hodgman Trophy winner. Uh, I was a Hodgman Trophy front front runner for weeks, and we all know how that goes, you know, when, when you're in Los Angeles. I mean, people cling on to the, the, the toast of the town, you know, like, so I'm pretty sure he's getting a lot of attention, and we'll see what happens. But I need to see more out of Kayla Williams before I just anoint him the second coming of Patrick Mahomes. Falcons and Panthers are in rebuild mode and are playing better than us. I don't think they're in rebuild mode. I think they already got their players, Debo, to be quite honest. I just don't think they like Matt Rule. I'm talking about the Carolina Panthers. Because Steve Wilkes, he, I mean, he's making a case to be their permanent head coach. If I was, well, if I was David Tepper, you know, I would definitely be considering Steve Wilkes uh, as the as the head coach. If he's not, then he's insane. I mean, absolutely insane. And, and as far as what the Atlanta Falcons look, the Atlanta Falcons, like them or not, they got talent, bro. Like they they got talent. And I'm not like I say, I'm not one of those people that just gonna hate on the team just because I don't like them because they're they're a rival. The reality is they're in better shape going forward than the Saints are to me right now. You know, like because the Saints have to deal with some issues about, uh, you know, attrition, you know, and you got to deal with age and some of these guys kind of getting older up there. But when it comes to like Carolina, I mean, some of their star players, I mean, look, J.C. Horn out there. What are you going? What is his second season? Dante Jackson. What is this like his fourth season? You know, you got Derek Brown out there. What is this like his second or third season? I mean, you got uh, Burns, Brian Burns out there. I mean, they, they got some talented dudes on that football team and they're young and if you combine them with the right quarterback and 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 bring maybe some some veterans up in there to combine with them in order to help the the young guys develop it, it can be it can be a tough out for the new orleans saints this man as a head coach is a total failure he is clueless as a head coach oh man uh let's see uh Skinner is not an NFL starter. Uh, that's just uh, asking for more mediocrity. What, who are we talking about? I don't know what we're talking about here. Uh, let, 
We talking about Stetson Bennett or something? I don't know. Bad just like Dalton is neither one is quarterback for the future. Yeah, none of them are. Yeah, TJ, just say it. Uh, he don't have the dog mentality. I, I don't look. I don't. I don't know if he don't have the dog mentality. Um, I don't. I, that that remains to be seen. All I'm saying is, I just I just need to see more. I, I need to see more. You know, what I'm saying I need to see more maturity. You know, what I'm saying I need to see, like, man, this dude is my guy. You know, what I'm saying like this, like this dude is a warrior. Like, like I, for example, let's look at Joe Burrow, right? Let's look at Joe Burrow at LSU. There were times when LSU was down in games and. You'll see Joe Burrow not only like just trying to throw the ball to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and and Terrence Marshall, but you you will see him like fighting for four or five yards, like putting like throwing caution to the wind. I'm not saying you got to be borderline psycho, but that kind of stuff like that, like teammates start to rally around that 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 get the offense hype, that get the defense hype, that get the special teams hype. It's like man, this is my boy out here, man, he balling. You know what I'm saying? You seeing him on the sidelines, he probably limping, he probably in pain, but you go back out there and it's as if it's as if it's not even happening. And you know what's going on. You hearing these conversations. But I just think with when things start to go awry, like when when Utah really just had a better game plan, let's just call it for what it is. The Utes had a better game plan than USC in that Pac-12 championship game. And these guys was like going at him, like pressuring him, knocking him down. And then all of a sudden, like you ain't putting emphasis on, okay, man, let's let you know what I'm saying let's firing up everybody. You just trying to pay attention to your limp so the whole entire world can just say, oh man, something wrong with Caleb Williams today. That's why they losing. He really hurt himself. Like, man, forget all that. You know, you know how many players have been injured, hurt, had, you know what I'm saying, basically in, in excruciating pain, but they still try to muster up a way in order for them to try to uh take their team to the next level. That, that kind of stuff goes a long way is what I'm saying, you know, and I, I do pay attention to that type of stuff, you know, that, that type of mental makeup, because when you start doing stuff like that, it's kind of make me feel like you is it's about you, you know, because now you're, you're caring more about perception, about how the world perceives you versus how it perceives the team. And but like I said, he's young, he's like 19, 20 years old, so. He's not coming out of college this year. He still has to stay, so we'll see. Tim, thank you very much for the $5. Says, what's good, TJ? I heard the Sean Payton take last night, and it got me thinking, what do you think Dalton's ceiling is with Payton? Uh, look, I, to be quite honest with you, listening to Sean Payton critique the Saints on several shows, like with K. Adams, shouts out to K. Adams, uh, Colin Cowherd, I don't think he's a fan. I don't think he's a fan. Even like even that Monday night football game, I think when Sean Payton was on there, I, I want to say they were playing against the Baltimore Ravens. And you heard like Sean Payton was talking to Payton and Eli. I mean, he was very, very critical of, of Andy Dalton, like very critical of him. And I, I just think that Sean Payton would probably, that would probably get old real fast with him. Like seriously, like that, that would, that would that would probably get real old with him. Like based on like some of the conversations I've heard, uh, you know, Sean Payton have when they talk when they when they're talking about the Saints and the quarterback play, it just seemed like to me he's not really that big of a fan of Andy Dalton. He's not. 
you know and then on top of that you also got to take this into consideration too folks andy dalton um was on the street as a you know as a free agent and the saints decided to go with trevor simeon instead of trying to get at andy dalton he ended up going to the cowboys if y'all if y'all don't remember that so he had an opportunity to, to have him as his backup quarterback you know even last year when he decided to make Jameis and Taysom have that little bit of competition so i'm pretty sure like if you going to continue to use Taysom the way that you did uh if he doesn't win a competition you still gonna need a, a solid backup quarterback but instead he went up he ended up going to get trevor simeon so why why didn't he he asked about andy dalton is the question that i would like to know but he didn't so I think that says a lot. TJ, please unmind me so I can unblock Jerry. Then once I have him uh, unblocked, mind me up again. Well, I can't do that while I'm doing it live, man. I, I can't. I can't do that while I'm doing it live. I can't uh, moder- give anybody uh, make anybody a moderator while I'm actually going live. So I will have to do that after the show is over. Uh, let's see. This craziness continues, TJ. I think Cam Jordan at this point uh, just wants to play on a winning team again. Um, I think they all want to play on a winning team again. I don't think it just starts with Cam Jordan. I think it, it starts with a lot of guys. You know, like these dudes not used to being in this type of position. These guys want to win. And I know they, they got to be extremely frustrated at the, the way that it's going right now. Get rid of Winston and Dalton so I don't got to listen to the Winston versus Dalton kind of. Yeah, just, just off that alone, I'll be open to that. I am kind of tired of listening to these conversations because it, it just, it's just one of the most pointless conversations to have at this particular point. You know, I just, you know, and I wouldn't have, a, I wouldn't have so much of an issue with this. I wouldn't have so much of an issue with this if I, I, I didn't know why people are having these conversations about these two dudes. Like it, it wouldn't bother me as much. Like some, some people just like, you got some people out here that are having these conversations because they just want to troll. Like they just want to be contrarians. Like they just want to go against the grain. You know, they want, they know that a lot of Saints fans may have an emotional investment in Jameis Winston and him playing. So they troll those fans, you know, oh, he's not good. Look, all them interceptions he threw. He a turnover machine, this, that, and the third. And then you have people that's just rolling with Andy Dalton because, like, once again, like, they know it's just going to tick off the masses. You know, but if you just peel back, you know, the, the layers of this entire thing, you'll realize that you're basically having an argument about two of the same type of quarterbacks. Like, they both – leave a lot to be desired they're both when it comes to the realm of the national football league are considered average and i don't feel bad about saying this and i don't care what numbers or analytics anybody puts up look you can put you can complete 70 80 percent of your passes all you want to how many games are you winning how many championships are you being a part of how many game like how many uh you know successful playoff appearances have you had these are the type of things that you're being evaluated on. At the end of the day, nobody cares about your third down efficiency rate. Nobody cares about your red zone efficiency if it's not equating to victories. So having these conversations are completely pointless because at the end of the day, 
they both leave a lot to be desired, no matter if you're on their side and want them to play or not. So people lobbying for Jameis to play and lobbying for Andy Dalton to play and all these things, like all these guys leave a lot to be desired. I mean, you could throw Taysom Hill in there too. All of them leave a lot to be desired. You know, you, you cannot start one without sacrificing something else. But we're having these conversations over and over again. And quite frankly, I'm just, you know, just getting kind of tired of it. You know, like you don't get like I, I feel like this. You don't get brownie points for for big up in Andy Dalton because, oh, he has a good third down conversion rate and you don't get any extra stripes as a black individual. Yes, I'm saying it because you rolling with Jameis Winston because he's black. Now, you don't get no stripes for that. Some people feel like, you know, what I'm saying they on some Mike, they, they on some, uh, you know, Michael Evans type stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you know, some militant type stuff. Oh, man, it, it's a conspiracy going on because the man want to hold a man. Like, bro, miss me with all that, man. Can you play? Can you play the game? That's all I care about. Can you play the game? Like, I, I, I want, you know what I'm saying? I want to see what both of these guys can do because I feel like it's an investment to see where you are going down the road has absolutely nothing to do with oh you know what i'm saying I, I prefer this person over another like come on man like give me a break both of these guys like if you were to get rid of if you were to get rid of both of these guys it's not like you know a team not gonna a team is going to pick them up and just be like okay you are started without some level of competition so that that's just that's just the way i feel about it uh, facts is facts. Uh, we can't spend three seasons on a project quarterback. I'm good on that. I need somebody that can stay uh, in the game. I just hope that we uh, can get a good first round pick for Peyton. If we can get Hooker for the Vols in the draft as a future quarterback prospect before some other team snatches him up. Well, I just think that based on the first round picks, you got to think to yourself who is going to be willing to sacrifice their first round pick on a guy that's not going to start for them right away. And to me, I just think that Hendon Hooker might fall into the lap of the Saints in the second round, and they won't even have to trade for Sean Payton to do it. Because some draft boys even had him as a late uh, first round, early second round pick before the injury. So you might end up getting him based on that. Uh, the only way uh, this story ends is Cam DeMario and AK end up on teams we hate as a fan base and then winning reigns with them like Ricky Jackson and Frisco. I'd be happy for those brothers. Look, I don't have a problem with it. Like, I, I want to see guys like DeMario and Cam get opportunity to, to, to compete for a Super Bowl if they can't get it with the Saints. I mean, I would hate that. I would hate that Cam Jordan has given the NFL uh, and the Saints this much production and him not be able to get to the Super Bowl. I would hate that for him. And so with DeMario and AK. Uh, we need to get Lamar Jackson paired with Sean Payton and this elite wide receiver of Ravens obviously don't appreciate him. AJ, uh, look, I think that what you're saying is probably uh, coinciding with the whole uh, Sean Payton, you know, saying that he's a free agent, Lamar Jackson is a free agent. But I just think that just Sean Payton just talking. First off, the Baltimore Ravens are not going to let uh, him go okay at worst they're going to end up franchise tagging him so he won't be able to negotiate with any other team so be prepared for that uh 
I, I just think that they they are trying to make sure that they're doing what's in the best interest for their team. And, you know, I don't think that it's going to involve letting him go at all. I just think it's just a matter of them sitting down and talking and negotiating and, and uh, you know, just trying to put everything aside in order to come up with a good number that's uh, mutual and, and best for both parties. But I don't think he's going anywhere. I'd be shocked. I would be shocked if they do that. 49ers and Ravens are winning regardless of who's starting at quarterback. That's good teams. We aren't good. Well, look, I think it has a lot to do with the coaching. I mean, you got to give Kyle Shanahan credit. Kyle Shanahan has, has uh, really he, – he's been one of those guys who everywhere he went, no matter how mediocre the quarterback is, he ends up being the best out of him. I mean, he had Chad Pennington as a, as a comeback uh, player of the year. Uh, we know about like when his time when he was in, uh, you know, in Washington with his dad, with Mike Shanahan, uh, very instrumental in the development of Kirk Cousins and also RG3. He was uh, his coordinator during that year. He was a quarterback's coach as well. And, uh, you know, he had RG3 out there winning rookie of the year. I mean, we know that he has uh, been instrumental in Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, so, and we also know Matt Ryan. I mean, he, he got Matt Ryan at MVP that Super Bowl year that they went to the Super Bowl. So Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing. That's why, you know, when I talk about coaches, it's very important for us to understand that all these coaches aren't created equal. And when you have a guy that can coach as well as develop guys, it's a plus. Because you're going to have uh, situations like with Purdy coming into the game and having to play at a high level because it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when a player gets hurt. And sometimes those, as much as they try to protect those guys, sometimes they are quarterbacks and you better have the right coach that if that one quarterback goes down, he can put that other guy in the game. You better have a coordinator, a head coach. That's, that's a type that's, that's a, something like a coordinator in order to, for that person to reach their full potential, are you going to find yourself being in the same situation the Saints in right now? You know, can't elevate a guy's talent and wherever he is at that particular point, that's what you got to roll with. TJ, you think Anthony Richardson uh, Gators is a first-round quarterback? No, I do not. No, I don't. No, 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 no. Uh, I just think that people like his mental makeup. I mean, he's a physical specimen. That dude's a freak of nature. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody that big, that can run that fast, like it, it's pretty impressive. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, it's not a shock that he's rolling up the draft boards because it's like that every year. There's always this one guy that he's supposed to be a can't miss prospect. And but being a first round pick, no, I don't think so. I haven't seen enough out of him in order for me to say that he's a first round pick. Uh, weren't the Saints known for choking in the playoff before Jameis got there? Good point. Good point. They they were known they were known for not getting it done in the postseason, but I mean the key word is postseason. <laughs> so they they may not have been successful, but they didn't make you know I mean they made it. <laughs> uh, let's see Jerry talking to you. TJ really hit us with the Michael Evans reference right on. <laughs> uh, let's see Winston still didn't uh, get a fair shake. He never got a chance to prove himself. I didn't see why he didn't get a chance with four wins. Well, look, I just think that they weren't high on him in the first place. Look, I mean, look, the rep, your reputation follows with you, fair or unfair. That's just the way that it goes. 
And I just think that when it came to Sean Payton, we all know Sean Payton's personality. Sean Payton feel like he can fix anybody. Sean Payton is that guy with about four or five beat up cars in his front yard. You know what I'm saying? Because he feel like he can get them all running. That's just that's just how he works. And Jameis Winston, not, I don't want to compare him to, I hate to compare him to this, but he is like one of those cars, like in the front yard. Oh man, you know, they said the radiator bad, this busted right here. You know what I'm saying? They, you know, they said the alternator need to be replaced. You know, a man, when when you see it, you see a beat up car. When they see it, you, you see something that's going to be hitting the road in about, you know what I'm saying, two to three weeks. So Sean Payton looked at Jameis Winston as a guy who had a lot of physical tools and talent, and he felt like he can tap into it. And Sean Payton had the luxury of time to do so because he, he developed enough capital in order to be able to garner a level of patience in order to make Jameis work versus Dennis Allen, a failed eight and 28 coach who didn't, didn't uh, pan out his first stop. That's in the back of everybody's mind. You, you don't have time to hit your wagon to a guy that's known as a turnover machine. You don't, you know, it, that's the difference between Dennis Allen and Sean Payton. Sean Payton has developed capital. Dennis Allen has not. Dennis Allen is developing his reputation, whatever it may be. As of right now, is a bad reputation as a coach, head coach. Uh, but he's developing his reputation. So if you're going to go down, I don't think you want to go down with a guy that has that reputation. I, I'm just I'm just telling you like it is. Sean Payton, if if Sean if Sean Payton was the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, Andy Dalton would not be playing right now. I, I mean it. I mean, I mean that. With everything in me, there's not, there's no way he will not allow it because he doesn't have to. See, Dennis Allen has to select the right thing more times than not because he's building up his coaching resume. Sean Payton's resume already been established, so you know, you know, I can, I can do this. You know, like okay, you know, I, I can say let's sign Cam Meredith. I can say let's sign Kevin White, right? Dennis Allen come out here talking about signing Kevin White or signing, you know, Chris Harris Jr. Like, what the what the heck are you doing? Right? Sean Payton, we can kind of like, ah, it, it just ain't working. Put this other guy in. But we ain't going to, like, criticize him like, man, this dude don't know what the heck he's doing because he's built up enough capital. We've seen for every Cam Meredith that don't work, we've seen a Robert Meacham that do. For every, uh, you know, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? For every other wide receiver that's come in here, there's, you know, a Brandon Coleman. For every Brandon Coleman, there's a Marcus Coaster. You know what I'm saying? So you have he has enough built-up capital to know that he has found guys who have diamonds in the rough that worked. And we give them the benefit of the doubt. Dennis Allen, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt because he hasn't done enough. And our patients are well and thin for a guy that we already were kind of skeptical about. And you have no choice but to look at his previous record because it sucks and the team sucks. So you're thinking, hey, this is a reflection of him. This is who he is. Uh, did you apologize to Coach Prime for talking negative about him when your alma mater was stealing money uh, from the football team? No, I didn't apologize to him. And thank you very much. I really do appreciate you uh, for um, realizing and knowing, you know, and reading the press clippings just like everybody else in America. You know, 
first off, let, let me let me just make this very, very clear to you. If you come to me with statements from back channels, YouTube channels and and articles that have been put out by people with some type of vendetta, we can't talk. All right. First off, I am a graduate of Jackson State University. I talk to these boosters. I know what the heck is going on. Here's the reality, dude. If you follow Dennis, I mean, Dennis Allen, if you follow Coach Deion Sanders track record, you will actually see that the dude is the king of gaslighting. The dude is a, a gaslighter. What he does is he, he does this whole Jedi mind trick to try to alleviate the pressures off of him and put it on other people. Don't believe me? Check this out. Back in 2012, Deion Sanders was married to a woman by the name of Pilar Sanders. They had a falling out back in 2012. He ended up getting a domestic violence um, charge against him. But she ended up going to jail because he ended up calling the police after he was the one that initiated it. She ended up going to jail for a day. She comes out and makes a statement and says, I know it's hard for a lot of people to go against an all-pro a uh, guy who everybody just looks at as as this great guy and people are not going to believe me. The dude basically threw his own ex-wife under the bus after he initiated the situation. My whole thing is Deion Sanders for years has been doing this. Deion Sanders has never, ever, ever, ever held his tongue about anything throughout the three years that he was coaching at Jackson State University. You don't find this ironic. That when the entire world among HBCUs is calling you an Uncle Tom and a sellout and taking the players that you recruited to this HBCU to create change, all of a sudden everybody is going at you. Now all of a sudden you're trying to flip the script and try to make it seem like it's about Jackson State when you because you left. Man, miss me with that nonsense right there. Anybody that's believing that situation is the reason why Deion Sanders is no longer at Jackson State University you, I, I, I got some oceanfront property out there in Rhode Island that I want to sell you. That don't make any sense whatsoever. Deion Sanders has a track record of gaslighting. Anytime that you, you try to put any type of pressure on him or he says anything that could make him look bad in the realms of, of public opinion, he's going to find a way to try to flip that. So I ain't trying to hear nothing that nobody telling me about Jackson State and Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders was a guy who didn't have a degree, who wanted to become a head coach, but he did not want to become an assistant coach. Jackson State was one of the schools that gave him an opportunity when nobody wanted to give him an opportunity because he didn't have a degree. That's the reason why a couple months before he was hired by Jackson State, he got his degree from a speed up you know, program out in, in what, Talladega College in Alabama. Because Jackson State was willing to give him an opportunity that he sought because he didn't want to be an assistant coach. I ain't got no problem with Deion Sanders moving on to Colorado at all. I ain't got no problem with it. Get money. But don't try to make it seem like, oh, you were just trying so hard to try to make Jackson State a, a relevant football program. And they just tried to push against you. And woe is me. Man, miss me with that stuff. Anybody that believes those stories, once again, I got some oceanfront property available for you right now out there in Rhode Island. Like, for real, man, miss me with them conspiracy theories and them back channel reports. 
Okay, I don't care how loud somebody comes on their YouTube channel and be like, man, look what Jackson State did. Look what Jackson State did. I, I don't care. Much respect to Willie D, you know what I'm saying? And all them and from the ghetto boys and all that. But all of them basically are just reading things that somebody already didn't put out there. And y'all just falling for a hook, line, and sinker. Don't even, like, don't even take my word for it. Go back and look at the track record of Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders has never been loyal to absolutely nobody throughout his entire life. You go to the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons embrace you. You out there with MC Hammond crew, right? All of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? Here you go. You flip the script, move on to, to the 49ers. Then all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? You, you have an issue with the 49ers. They ain't giving you enough. Now, you know what I'm saying? You're getting up there, and, and now you want to be a Dallas Cowboy. This dude has never been loyal to anybody or anything. And if you follow this dude's track record, it'll prove to you. All this dude is is a silver-tongued individual that can make people move, that can inspire folks. And, you know what I'm saying, it's no different between a prosperity preacher, in my opinion. Oh, the Lord has something special for you. I can feel it right now. I can feel it moving deep down inside of you. It's no different. That's who this guy is. One thing you're not going to do. You're not going to tell me anything about my alma mater. And I'm definitely ain't going to, like, with all due respect, Willie D can't tell me nothing about Jackson State. Willie D can't tell me nothing about Jackson State. All these other dudes that's out here that are just trying to get themselves monetized on, on some YouTube tip, they can't tell me nothing about my university. I was the first person before ESPN, before Fox Sports, before Adam Schefter, knew that he was coming to Jackson State University. I was the first person that said this. I was. Because the people that's within this organization, the, the Jackson State Trust, those individuals told me this. One of my close friends, who who's one of the boosters, told me about this. So the reality is he never wanted to stay at Jackson State. This was a starting block. This was his mailroom moment. I'm, I'm going to start in a mailroom and I'm going to work my way up to the executive floor. It was all a calculated plan for him to be able to coach Division One football on, on, in, a, in a power conference. And he did not want to be an assistant coach to go that way. I know it's the State of Saints podcast, but when I hear people talk about, man, apologize. Apologize for what? What he needs to do, he needs to apologize to all these people out here for basically lying to him and alienating him and giving him something to believe in. That makes absolutely no sense right here, right? That, that's, just like, that's just like somebody said, I'm hungry. Okay, let me go to the store. I'm about to go to the store for you because I want to show you that I can put food in this refrigerator. Then that person goes to the store and they unload bags and they fill up their refrigerator full of food and everybody like man oh man thank god man i thought i was gonna starve to death i thought i was gonna be hungry and you'd be like yeah now you see that you can go to the store and buy food too and now that i proved to you that you can buy food i'm gonna take all this food with me and i'm gonna bring it to my house but just know that you too can get this food. Now, I understand that you don't have the money right now. I understand that you ain't got the resources, but you can get food too, just like I did. Okay, goodbye. That's what he did. And when people come to reality with that, then that's fine. But don't try to make it seem like, oh, Jackson State was trying, trying so desperately, so hard 
Like, it, it, I mean, he would try so hard, man, and miss me with that. They ain't about to disrespect my school like that. Now, I know Jackson State, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they've had some individuals out there on some funny stuff, but you ain't about to tell me that a guy who doesn't hold his tongue is going to allow that type of practice to keep on going on over and over and over again. And all them do boys that's out there that's trying to put that information out there, they just trying to latch on to them so they can get a little bit of money and, and probably roll off the Colorado with them. All, got all them Sambo soft shoeing cats out there doing that. You ain't about to talk about my squad like that. Don't talk about my school, man. Just go get your money. Get your $5 million a year plus other millions of dollars in perks and deals that, that Colorado offers you and keep it moving. If you don't care that much about what people think, then why are you sitting up here trying to throw the school under the bus? Throughout all of this, Deion Sanders been Deion. Some folks just saw what they wanted to see once he started talking God and calling uh, no loyalty. This man never been loyal. Like, honestly, what has Deion Sanders ever been loyal to? I, I mean, look, greatest cornerback to ever play the game, but what has he ever been loyal to? This man has always been loyal to the almighty dollar. So what makes you think that it was going to stop? What? Just because he used God? How many, how many people use God in a, in a, in a, in a conversation, you know, and still be about, about as money hungry as, you know, Scrooge McDuck, you know, like, come on, man. Were y'all any good before Coach Prime? Yes, we were. Yes, we were. Or were you talking, man? Jackson State went to four straight swag championships under Coach Rick Comergy. My senior year, we won the swag championship. I, I just don't understand. Like, yes, Jackson State was on some, boy, about two or three years of, of ineptitude. But that's because they had one athletic director, Vivian Fuller, who got mixed up in a lot of, like, you know, controversy. You know what I'm saying? Like some sex scandals and stuff like that that was going on. And you know what I'm saying? Like it kind of set the school back. Her and Rick Comergy, who was one of the best coaches that Jackson State ever had. I love Rick Comergy. Shouts out to him, man. That was our coach. That was my coach right there. Rick Comergy and Vivian Fuller had a history dating back to Tuskegee University. That's my wife on my mouth. Shouts out to Tuskegee. They had some beef when he got to Jackson State and when she got to Jackson State, like she would just pick with him and pick with him and pick with him. And then finally, she found enough ground to try to get him fired. Got the man fired and replaced him with a guy named Harold Jackson. You know what I'm saying? Like Harold Jackson was one of the, like, didn't coach a team since 1994. That was the guy that she put to replace him. And with that, the school just kind of fell on bad times. I'm going to tell you how bad it was. It was so bad when this dude was the coach. Jackson State lost the football game. I can't remember who they lost to, but they lost the football game, and they were mathematically eliminated from SWAC East contention. They couldn't make it to the SWAC championship. And this man was still up here talking about we got a chance to make a SWAC championship. He didn't even realize that the team got eliminated. This man had Jackson State losing the Valley. Val the Jackson State didn't lose the Valley since 1995. Not, at that time, 19 years. So it was the bad athletic director. That's the reason why Jackson State was in this position. But uh, people act like Jackson State was just slow and trash. And, oh, Jack, and you know, Deion Sanders just came. Like, man, Jackson State was still contenders. 
They still was going to swag championships. They still was winning football games. They still was credible. Did they need another coach in order to kind of, you know, give them a little pick-me-up? But, yeah. But Jackson State was bombed before he got there, and they're going to be bombed after he leave there. So that's the way I feel about that. But they ain't got to throw my school under the bus, man. Anybody just throw my school under the bus, man, just because you want to feel content and you want everybody to kind of start, you know, being on your side. Oh, that's the reason why he left. Y'all had a good thing and y'all lost it. Man, miss me with that. The players came to JSU to play for him. Uh, there is uh, not any way Travis Hunter even considered JSU. TJ, what NFL team has been loyal to players? No, no, like, I'm pretty sure if you look around, you'll probably have some NFL teams that's loyal. But, you know what I'm saying, it is a business at the end of the day. Those players actually you know, came to play for him. That is absolutely true. And that's one of the reasons why it, it was such a, a duty for you to come there and maintain success. Like, you you ain't even got no – like, yeah, they went undefeated. They are undefeated as of right now going into the Celebration Bowl this weekend. But, my dude, like, you ain't did enough in order to establish that. Like, this – like, Deion Sanders had an opportunity to be like the next Eddie Robinson of, of, of HBCU football. If he wanted to do that, then he would do that. But he didn't. It's, it's just that simple. You know, yeah, they came to play for him. But keeping it real, that's what everybody, that's what every, that was every player in America. If if I'm I'm talking to somebody right now, I, I'm pretty sure you probably got kids that's that's probably, you know, playing football. Let's just say they, they become good enough, you start to get recruits. Of course, if they commit to a school, it's because they want to be there. They want to play for the coach. They want to play for the school. Of course. But at the same time, I mean, you had to take that into consideration as well. Because by bringing those guys in, look, I, I put it like this. Travis Hunter going to Jackson State means more than Travis Hunter going to Florida State or going to Alabama or going to Georgia. Like how many great slash players you've you seen play wide receiver cornerback that, that go on Division I like you, you basically just another guy. Like you, you become you on the front of Sports Illustrated. You, you headlining um, ESPN, Fox Sports. Everybody's talking about you because of the magnitude, the magnitude of of you signing with a HBCU. What like Deion Sanders going to Colorado and let's just say, you know what I'm saying, he does turn it around. That's great. That's fine. But at the end of the day, I just feel like what he was doing when it came to HBCU football would be more meaningful. Like if you were really like talking about callings and when you were really talking about changing lives and you was really talking about doing all these things for HBCUs, like you would have stayed there. TJ, if Tom Brady retires, could you see Tampa trying to get Jameis back? Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, the same way you ain't having any disrespect by JSU is how uh, us Winstonites feel about Jameis. And it's non-negotiable for both of us. Well, I, I mean, that's fine. You know, that that's fine by me. But all I'm saying is, when it comes to Jackson State, like, 
I'm I'm just I look when it comes to Jackson State, I I know what I know what's going on. Okay. When it comes to like certain things with Jameis Winston, I just think that it's it's kind of like speculation. It's just pure speculation. Like we can want, you know what I'm saying? Like you can want something, you can want this all day and feel like, you know what I'm saying? Like I I don't know. I don't know. All all I know is <laughs> all I know is when it comes to like this quarterback position with the New Orleans Saints, I don't think neither one of these dudes gonna be on the team. So it's pointless. Like I, I don't I really don't feel like at the end of the day, like I don't I'll be shocked if Jameis Winston is a New Orleans Saint next season. Based on the treatment of of him and how things have turned out and panned out in New Orleans, he has always wanted a Power Five job. Uh, Florida State passed on him, and yet JSU gave him an opportunity to prove himself. Also, JSU got a chance uh, to show the country that they are a very good university. Look, man, Jackson State has already been is has always been a really good university. You know, like I understand football and all that kind of stuff, but. When it came to academics, they always in the top ten. Uh, you know, like they they have a high graduation rate. Like Jackson State has always been like one of the most like premier HBCUs in the country. So yeah, he, he came out there. You know, what I'm saying he put his his glasses on and put put a couple of chains on and and played some mystical. But look, man, all these people like in a crowd and all that kind of stuff showing up. Do some of it have something to do with him? Absolutely. But Jackson State fans stayed, all, always traveled before De, um, Deion Sanders. They had a nice turnout always before Deion Sanders, and it's going to be the same way after him because people love the school. They love the boom, the sonic boom of the South, and you know people love being in the, in the stands, waving those pom-poms in unison. You know, when Get Ready start playing and when JSU rocks the house, like – it has a tradition, just like Southern has a tradition in Grambling and, and Alabama State. And, I mean, we all have our traditions. That's all this move was for Dion, a business move, and people were stealing from him. That school is upgraded because uh, of Dion. Uh, let's see. That school was upgraded because of Jackson State, you know, and Dion. Dion got a job because Jackson State allowed him to have it. But I, I just don't – I don't think I like this narrative like old oh, Jackson State was just old and decrepit and then all of a sudden like he came over there and just gave it the ultimate paint job. Like Jackson State has always been a great school. Like it's always been lit. You know what I'm saying? Like it's always been like one of the best HBCUs in the country. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Him going there, you know, it, it give you the topic of conversation on Undisputed, but I mean, Jackson State has always been a really good university. I can't say that enough. TJ, yourself and the rest of JSU family knew that man was not going to be a lifer. I mean, I look, that's why I'm not upset about this. Like I said, I already knew what the plan was. Like, I already knew what the plan was. I mean, like I said, I, I'm privy to some of the conversations because one of my good friends is one of the boosters. When it, When the negotiations was going on, and it was pretty much a done deal. He hit me up and he told me about it, you know, and I'm like, okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? This this great stuff right here, you know, like, and he even, like, I, I probably knew it three weeks before it happened, but I promised him, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was, he was like, 
Just wait for another week and then you can see it. I'm like, all right, whatever. But I, I knew it and I knew what the plan was. I knew how he like before Shadur, because you know, originally he was supposed to go to Florida Atlantic and he was like, man, he's going to bring his son with him, too. I'm like, you lying. I'm like, yeah, he said he's going to bring his, uh, his son with him. Then, it, you know, what I'm saying then it ended up happening. So it was always a part of the plan. The plan, you know, the plan is for him to coach. You know, he wanted to coach on a in, in a power conference, you know, and th- this was and he didn't want to be an assistant to do it. Gaslighted the kids and bounced with the quickness. I ain't mad. Get your money, but ain't no doubt you tricked these youngsters and jetted. Some people have the ability to make people move. Some people have the ability to make people feel like they're crazy when they're not. You know, like that's just what it is. And if you don't believe me, man, go check out this movie. It's called Gaslight, right? It's, it's a classic black and white movie, you know, like, but go check it out. It, it's about this guy who was trying to convince this woman that, you know, that she was crazy. I mean, that's that's kind of like what he is. And that's what he's trying to do right now. He's trying to convince the masses that Jackson State is the reason why he's no longer there because they didn't do right by him. But in reality, he didn't do right by Jackson State. And he just can't accept that. He just can't accept it. Like some people just like when they know they wrong, they, it, it, it eats away at them. So they got to find ways to try to alleviate some of that, that guilt off of them. So what's the best way to do it? Try to put it on somebody else. Try to put it on his wife. Oh, she crazy. You know, like she crazy. I need to get out of my house real quick. Like, you know what I'm saying? Got this woman out here looking crazy. And, you know, I mean, that, that's just the way that it is. You know, like, man, some people are just good at gaslighting. I, I, ain't, I ain't falling for it because, I mean, if you go back and look and look at the history of Deion Sanders and his, 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 his loyalty towards anything other than Deion Sanders, like, we wouldn't even be having a conversation. I love how organic the State of the Saints podcast is. Start off with Convo on a fake injury allegation versus the Saints and Morrison to HBCU and Deion Sanders talk. This is what uh, keep us coming. Look, I mean, look, I'm with you. I'm with you. Any, any way it goes, you know, like, I'm ready to talk about it. That's what I like about the show as well, Eugene, because, you know, we start off talking about one thing, end up talking about something else. And somebody probably came on late and probably wondering, like, man, what this got to do with the injuries? But that's just the way that the show goes. That's the authenticity of the State of the Saints podcast, and that's what makes this show so special because I really don't know what direction it's going to go in. And I think it actually came from, from Jerry Lewis. You know, talking about <laughs> talking about shop. Am I going to apologize to Deion Sanders? Uh, and all I got to say about that is I got to hit you with the wankle, you know? Hell no, to the no, 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 hell to the no. I ain't apologizing to him. If it wasn't for Jackson State, we would have been talking about Deion right now. Um, I don't want to say we wouldn't have been talking about him, but I mean, I'm pretty sure he probably would have landed somewhere else. But I will say this. HBCUs combined with Deion Sanders, they kind of made things like I don't think that Deion Sanders would be as impactful or as high profile of a of a name or a coach right now if he didn't go to HBCU. Because if you just would have went to, I don't know, Millsap College or I don't know, you know, some other school, you know, what I'm saying that's that's middle of the pack somewhere, nobody would care. Like you'll probably get a little bit of a press and stuff like that, but you probably wouldn't, it would probably wouldn't be on this level. It, it probably wouldn't be on this level. The fact that it was a HBCU, 
the fact that it was Deion Sanders, arguably the greatest cornerback of all time. I'll say he is the greatest cornerback of all time. You combine that with HBCUs who have been, you know, haven't been haven't been funded correctly, been struggling, you know, it, it just was a, a match made in heaven. And they it elevated him. It elevated him, you know, and it get and it gave him a platform to look like, you know, he was a a motivator and a, and a trendsetter and a and a game changer. So I just feel like if you would have went anywhere else that wasn't HBCU, probably would have made an impact, but probably wouldn't have been of that magnitude. HBCUs helped Dion just as much as Dion helped HBCUs. Uh, Dion uh, was going to get uh, to where he was uh, without Jackson. Jackson should be honored. To, uh, he chose them. Uh, he could have uh, coached that PV and still got uh, a power five. Well, look, when it comes to honor, um, not so much. Not so much. I mean, there wasn't a lot. Like There was some, some schools, but it wasn't a lot of them. And Jackson State was, if I'm not mistaken, Jackson State was the only HBCU that offered him a job. Because here's the reality. The, the the current athletic director of the school right now was the only one that had the way votes to call Deion Sanders and offer him that position. So Jackson State was, was brave enough and had enough gumption to do this because other, like, other schools have these defeated mentalities. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, he ain't coming here. He ain't going to do that. But this guy was brave enough to do it so and then on top like i said it wasn't too many offers that was going on and then hbcus jackson state was the only hbcu that offered him one because nobody wanted to give him a job because in order for you to coach on a collegiate level you have to have a college degree go back and look at it jackson state hired Deion sanders two months after quote unquote after he received this degree from Talladega College. Now, when you left, what you left Florida State in 1989, you retired in 2003 from the NFL. So you telling me throughout the entire time you, you couldn't have found a way to get some credits, but it just so happens that you get off of the coaching position and now you want to do that. I'm just, I'm just telling you, he did not want to be an assistant coach. He wanted to do his own thing, and. The only way he can do that, coach on a collegiate level, he needs a degree. He graduated, I want to say, in August or something like that. Uh, June, I, I can't remember, but he ended up becoming Jackson State's head coach a couple months later. So that that's just that's just what it was. I'm glad uh, he uh, gone because uh, Southern University wasn't going to win as long as he was a coach. I agree with that. Bro, you crazy. Primetime rings uh, no matter where he goes. But it wouldn't have been the magnitude of going to HBCU, dude. Nah, you, you crazy if you believe that. But I, I like I like the energy, though. I like the bro, you crazy, because, you know, you really want to convince me that I'm crazy, but I'm not. Look, at the end of the day, HBCUs combined with Deion Sanders, the platform itself, you know what I'm saying? Like, and what he was trying to do, it elevated him. Like, think about, okay, so if Deion Sanders would have went go coach at, okay, 
if he would have got Trent Dilfer's job at UAB, you really just sit up here and just think that every three, four, five minutes, you're going to see him headlining on uh, Undisputed? Not happening. It's not happening. It's just a fact. Look, bro. The reality is when it comes to HBCUs, they've been it's been a topic of conversation that has come and gone in the past. And people have a special place in their heart for HBCUs. That's just what it is. And him coming to HBCUs, it just, you know, like I said, it was just a match made in heaven. It was the it was the right, it was the right platform in order to elevate himself. You ain't about to find that nowhere else. You can you can say he like he would have went to UAB, but it wouldn't have had the same impact. It it, it just wouldn't. It, it just wouldn't have had the same impact. If you like, if he would have went to another HBCU, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, TJ, stop it, man. Y'all killing me with this. No matter what school Dion would have been going to. Uh, let's see, get the school unmatched attention in a positive manner. No, uh, not because of the school, but because of his name. Okay. All right. If that's the case, how come, how come, okay. So why, why was prom, why was prom high school not high profile? Why did it fall under? Why is it that the, the school that he was actually coaching in a high school, why, why have you never heard of that? So if he if he is as hot as y'all trying to make him out to be, then why is it that you ain't here about these high schools that he was coaching at? How come I am telling you right now, you probably didn't even realize that he couldn't coach on a collegiate level. So why is it like let, let's just be real about this. What's the name like without looking at Google? What was the name of the high school he coached at? When was it on TV? What like went like went? Like, if he's talking about, like, think about this. If he's as hot as y'all trying to make him out to be, why is it that you had all these high school recruits? Why is it that we see the, we, we seen Arch Manning on ESPN? We seen all these other schools around the country on ESPN. Why is it that we didn't see Deion Sanders high schools on ESPN? Why, like, I'm pretty sure he had a lot of talented guys. Deion Sanders has been coaching for years. So answer that for me. Why is it that you ain't really just truly start hearing about him coaching until he got to Jackson State University? Why is it that Prime Academy fell under? Why was it that Prime Academy wasn't on television? Why is it that Prime Academy didn't have the funds in order for them to stay afloat? So... That that's the way I feel about that. Uh, what happened to talking about the Saints? Why are we talking about former Falcons? Uh, because we towards the end of the show, and also you know I go by what people I go by what people uh put on here. When TJ outs the mic aside, it starts off with okay gems about to drop. Texas is big, don't matter. This prime time, so he. So we can't have it both ways. We can't move the goalposts. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you know, like it, it, it would have rained, but Texas too big. Nah, nah. Nah, Texas too, but Texas too, like, 
he's Deion Sanders. So regardless, like Texas, California, no matter where you are, you're supposed to know these things. It's supposed to be popping off. All I'm saying is collectively together, the HBCU combined with Deion Sanders' star appeal was a match made in heaven. There's not a, I'm sorry, there's not a human being on this planet that's going to change, they're going to change my mind. He, like, you're not going to be getting this type of, you're not going to be the topic of conversation on first take. You know, the only, the only way he'll have that, that conversation or the topic on first take is if he was leaving that other school that wasn't HBCU going to Colorado. But you wouldn't be hearing about Jackson State, as, you know what I'm saying, like how they was being talked about on some of these big-name sports shows. TJ, you fighting a losing battle with people. Uh, they don't know uh, what they are talking about. All, all I know is, man, look, if you coming at me, man, don't be coming at me with no, no stuff that you heard on a YouTube channel. And don't definitely don't be coming at me with stuff that that you probably heard somebody or they got a blue check mark. So they got to be telling me what like, man, miss me with that, especially when it comes to like Jackson State University. Like, bro, that's like telling that's like telling me about my wife or something or telling me about my son. Like it's some things in life you just can't tell me about. You know, so. That's just what it is. Uh, let's see, TJ on a scale of one to ten, what is the likelihood that Coach Payton coming back? Thank you, thank you, Nolan. Uh, yeah, um, the scale of one to ten, now nah, I probably give it about a three or a four. I give it about a three or a four. Honestly, talking about former Jets or Jags uh, would be more interesting than twenty twenty two Saints talk at this point. Definitely better than Jameis versus Andy talk. That's a good point, and honestly, you know. Talking about this particular situation, this tells us where we are as as a fan base, you know. Uh, but you on YouTube, yeah, I am on YouTube. You're you're absolutely right. But on top of being on YouTube, I write articles. Um, I'm actually actually talking to the individuals. I'm not like I'm not reading an article, looking at an article, and then being like. Okay, I'm gonna talk about this. Like I'm actually telling you things that actually from the inside. What people actually do is they actually pull up clips and read it to you verbatim and then give their opinion. And then okay, you know what I'm saying? This this is what would happen. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Like, yeah, come on, man. Like I'm actually I'm actually telling you what the people from the inside are actually telling or actually saying. But I like I like how you did that. But once again, if you're going to come at me, you better come at me. You the way you, you know, you best not miss. Like don't come at me with stuff, man. Just don't come at me with stuff that you, you read on the onion or some crap. Uh, I've I've seen players take a knee before uh, when they're injured. But when Saints uh, do something, it's uh, <laughs> fifty eleven fine. Exactly. There ain't nobody say nothing when um. Levante David went down. Ain't nobody say nothing when that went down. Let's see. Uh, let's talk about Kamara fumbling issue. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's it's pretty bad. You know, it's pretty bad. Uh, the reason why I feel like some of his touches got taken away from him last game, it seemed like they were putting more emphasis on Mark Ingram running the ball than him. Uh, even with that, I just feel like it's disingenuous and fake. I just feel like a lot of the moves that the New Orleans Saints be making – is based on I don't know if you know somebody looking at Twitter and 
and it seemed like to me like they're going back and now they're trying to change it based on the pulse of the team. I mean, the pulse of the fan base. I don't know. But mm, I also believe TJ is a professional journalist, so there's that. This is uh, his hobby. Uh, nah, pretty much. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, he threw his own son under the bus in his interview at Colorado. Uh, by the way, I have not read an article or heard anything said anything except I just tuned in. Just was interested. Your take on the matter? Nah, I'm. Uh, uh it's it's uh it's the what it's the a Saints podcast, but it's been plenty of times we all talk about other sports. What's the difference today? We are still talking sports, man. Look, th- this is the reality. The state of Saints podcast is the state of Saints podcast. We talk about the Saints, but. We all know how this show goes. Now, if you want me to have a show where I just talk about one particular topic, then that's fine. I mean, I, I can do that, but that's not the platform that I wanted wanted to create. The biggest issue, the reason why I created the State of Saints podcast is the same reason why, you know, I one of my biggest pet peeves, and that is that you have a, a, a talking head that wants to put himself over most of the time. And they don't pay any attention to what the other people are saying. Rather, it's through the phone calls or the text messages. They, they'll, they'll, if a guy per- calls in, you got the producers, you know, that's turning down the pot so the 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 art, so the host can sound louder than the guy to make his 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 argument seem like it's more uh, compelling than the guy that's calling. You know, those are like all the things that bothers me about like drive time sports talk radio. You know, saying I basically wanted to create something that was just complete opposite. So that's the that's the reason why. So I have no problem. Like we can end up start talking about the Saints. Then we can end up talking about Coach Prime, Deion Sanders. We can start talking about hot sausage on French, po' boys, local New Orleans spots. Like, I, I mean, that's just the way that it goes, man. Like, I, I'm I'm not trying, like for real. I'm I'm not trying to be like anybody else. I'm not. I'm not trying to be like anybody else. I'm not trying to lie to anybody. I ain't trying to. I ain't trying to lie to kick it. I don't care if some of my opinions and views cause people to not want to watch anymore. I'd love for you to watch, but I'm not going to change myself, and I don't want anybody to change themselves. But we're going to talk about you know what people want to talk about, and no matter how ridiculous it may be at times, people's opinions and thoughts and views matter. So I try to make I try to make that thing happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that's just the way that it goes. The the show kind of shifted into a different direction because I mean, of course, just like the Saints, I'm passionate about Jackson State. So of course I'm gonna give you information about that. But just like we talk about anything else. Kamara never should have been used like a primary running back. Uh she he should have kept a role like Pollard for the Cowboys, where uh less is more. Yeah, but I, I think you can use him in a, a, a variety of ways. I just think the Saints aren't using him correctly. Speaking of Omar uh, from the wire, a man got to have a code. Prime doesn't have a code. <laughs> State of Saints podcast is a variety. We talk Saints, NFL, college, anything. We we got it all. That's what I try to do, you know, try to talk about everything. Leave Dion alone, everybody. If we only had po- uh, politicians uh, to this level of accountability. Yeah, that's a good point. They say, I like Amara, but as a running back on a team in need, better to trade him. 
Man, hearing a lot of people saying that. I don't know if I'm on that. I don't think I'm on that. Uh, that that train yet to trade him, but I can understand like people, you know, looking at him and saying, you know, man, maybe we need to go in a different direction. The reason I rock with TJ is because he can talk all sports Saints or just his favorite team. Man, I look. I can I can take this show anywhere that you want to go. Now, when elite uh, elite goods come on here with some of that uh. I don't know that that inter intergalactic talk and kind of lose me, but for the most part, you know, I can mean talk about anything, and I like the fact that I can talk about everything. That's that's one of the reasons why, like I said, I, I do this show when, you know, when I'm inspired to do so. That's why I don't have a certain time. That's the reason why I don't just come on here and just be like, okay, I'm just gonna do a show and leave. I don't make this show like money driven. Like some people, you know, I, I just don't. Like if you donate to the show, great. If you don't, that's fine. You know, I mean, I just feel like that that kind of stuff matters. All right. That's why I love this show. Uh, 29 million uh, reasons why Dion uh, took the deal. Um, Let's see. You're the best, TJ. I appreciate that. Thank you, man. At least we ain't talking about Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston. Andy Dalton, Jameis went like, yeah, I'm over that. I'm over that, man. Uh, but I got to go ahead and go, folks. Uh, thank y'all so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, really do appreciate it. Uh, shouts out to everybody. Uh, shouts out to everybody with their comments. Make sure that you subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel, youtube.com. Search the State of the Saints podcast. Also available on facebook.com. Search the State of the Saints podcast. Previous episodes available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Anchor FM. Till next time, all I got to say is, who that?